0: Thankfully, it's rare. I think in this life that we get put to the test Will I lay down my life so that somebody else might live? But Jesus teaches in our gospel that we must lose our lives each one of us if we want Jesus to live in us In fact all three of our passages this morning have the same message We're called upon by God to lose our lives to give up my life so that God can live in me and through me Now I must admit at first glance these verses didn't seem like a great passage set of passages for baptism Sunday We're here all about celebrating new life and all of that But then I thought about it for a moment having been a parent of two little ones myself uh, with Becky parents know what this is all about anybody here who's been a parent know what it's about to lay down your life for the sake of another you give up your sleep your 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 desires your agendas the things you'd like to do for fun you you lay that all aside for i don't know two, three, five, fifteen, twenty-five 15 25 years <laughs> yeah 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 until they launch we get it uh we're going to give it up for what's good for our kids and they're still kids when i'm 74 and they're 47 okay so let's look at these lessons quickly jeremiah the great prophet is faced with this very choice he's he's been being a prophet for god for some years and he's sick of it he's sick of the fight He's angry because God doesn't seem to be defending him against his enemies. And he's coming to God saying, you know, what's the deal here? Uh, I've worked for you. I've spoken your word. I've done what you've said. I've kept at it. I didn't go partying and reveling and hanging off, goofing off. But the pain is of this rejection I'm feeling is awful. It's unending. And the wound is incurable, Lord. And you seem sort of distant. You've kind of left me on my own. And God says to him in one of the classic phrases from God the Father, he says, basically, get over it, <laughs> doesn't he? I mean, that's what he says. Read it. D- keep doing what I ask, he says. Die to yourself, in other words. Return to me, says the Lord. Keep speaking what's precious, in other words, my word. And yes, persecution's going to continue, but I will fortify you. I'll make you as a brass wall to the, stand against it, and in, in the end, I'll save you. In other words, Jeremiah, give up your life. You've got a dream for a comfortable, unpersecuted life, and that's not your life. Lay it down for me and my work. Be my prophet. And Jeremiah did it. Another 37 chapters, much, several more decades of ministry, although he continued to whine about it now and then, as well as <laughs> he might. He was known as the weeping prophet. And then in the epistle, Paul says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable God, your your spiritual act of worship. Don't, Don't do the world's way, he says. Don't be conformed to the world. Look for my will, the Lord's will. Discern it and do it. And then, of course, Jesus' word is absolutely plain this morning. If we want to be his, we must deny ourselves, take up our cross, which you know is the Roman instrument of execution. Take it up, carry it around, follow him, lose our lives if we want to have his life in us. If you want to keep your life, you'll lose it. So we got the same messages there, three messages, same one basically across six, seven hundred years of God's history with us. If you try to keep your life, you'll lose it, you'll die. But if you give up your life and take mine in, you'll find life and live forever. Seems kind of important, don't you think? It's kind of a, a life and death thing. Uh, we either do this or we die. It's, it's important we understand what he means when he says, uh, give up your life. What does it mean? We don't want to be wrong about that. So I'm going to go into that just a little bit. Basically what it means, okay, this is Paul Feener's take, but I think it's correct. It means we let Jesus Christ live his life through us. It's like, he's in us, he's living the life. It's our life, but we're letting him have his way. It means giving up my personal sovereignty. It means letting Christ have his way. It means not trying harder to be good. Aren't you glad? It means that we surrender to the good that he would do in and through us. You heard of the definition of a co-defendant? A co-defendant, there you go, the lawyer came out. A codependent. You know the definition, right? Of a codependent, a person who, as they're dying, someone else's life flashes before their eyes. That's a codependent. Well, as a Christian, when we die, the life of Jesus Christ should flash before our eyes. Everything that he did in and through and for us, his life lives through me. So, okay, so here's the question, Paul. All right, what's the practical application? What am I supposed to do? Should I stop everything that I'm doing and do all new things? Leave your career and go to seminary? That's what I did. You want to do that? I don't recommend it, but at any rate, uh, (laughs) maybe. Quit your job and stay home with the kids? Yeah, Maybe. Do volunteer work 50 hours a week? I don't know. Maybe. Sell your home and give all the money to the church? That might be it. Uh, the the treasurer asked me to say that. No, she didn't. (laughs) Anyway, it might be these things, but I think especially more often, usually, surrendering our lives to Jesus Christ means we keep doing what we have been doing, except now that we're doing it differently. We're doing it as Jesus Christ. We're doing it in him and with him and through him. So we face a problem or situation in life that we've got to make a decision about what to do, and we set to the side what we want to do, what would be pleasing to me, (laughs) pleasing to you, and, and we look for what Jesus would ask us to do. Lord, what's your perspective here? Presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice, it's not meaning that we climb onto some altar someplace and wait for God's knife, nor does it usually mean bodily death. It means living as Jesus Christ in a broken and hurting world. It means letting him use us in all of our relationships, all of our interactions in this world so that we are Jesus' presence there. Now, sometimes, I got to warn you, sometimes giving up our life means radical change in our behavior or our thinking. In other words, there are some things we can't do as Jesus Christ in us. Some things that he will not do through us. He's not going to come into our lives and use us for sin. He's a Christian con man. That's not really a category, right? Christian bigot, No, not so much. He's not, that's, okay, you get what I mean. In fact, I would say if we're greedy or materialistic, envious, liars, gossips, immoral, selfish, and the like, we can be pretty sure that we've not given our lives fully to him. He's not going to use us for sin. Peter saw this. Jesus says to him, this is my will. I'm going to go and die and be raised again. And Peter says, no. No, Lord, God forbid that should happen to you. And Jesus rebukes him in the harshest words. If we learn from Peter, we should not be expecting to oppose God's will in our lives and not receive a rebuke. We need to let Jesus be Jesus. Being a Christian, a follower means in every decision, in every situation, we're asking, Lord, what's your agenda here? What's your will? What are you doing? I sit on the, as an advisor on the search committee, and that's what we're praying day by day, that we will not exercise our wills, but only what the Lord is saying about the call of a new rector here. All right, how do you do it? You ready for good news, right? I know you're ready for this to be over. We're almost over. Uh, <laughs> how, do, how do you do this? And the good news is you can't, not on our own. We cannot, we're not able to give up our lives on our own. We can't even want to, right? Who is born wanting to die to our own will, our own desires, our own agendas. Since the garden, this is good basic biblical theology. Since the garden of Eden, since we first said no to God, We've been overcome by something. We have a powerful sin nature within us, which constantly proclaims, I know better. I know better than God. I know better than anybody what I need, what I want. I know better. My, and my way is right. It's the right way. And besides that, it's more fun. That was supposed to be humorous. OK. But beyond that, everything in our world argues against us. Everything in our world, in fact, much of what's labeled as Christian tells us the same thing. The world screams at us. It's all about you. Are you satisfied? Are you fulfilled? Uh, uh, take care of yourself first. How can you help others if you don't take care of yourself? Do it your way. Years ago, you might remember a uh, Best-selling book marketed as Christian. The title of it was Your Best Life Now. Remember that? Well, it was a big seller. But think about that title, Your Best Life Now. Jesus Christ says your best life now is death. That's where you're headed with your life. Your best life now is Jesus' life in you, not your life but his. What would Jesus have you do? And we don't get there on our own. We, We just don't. We can't even want it. So what do we do? How do we give up our lives? Uh, I'm going to come back to it last. The most important thing is prayer, but there are some other practical things we can do. There are some hints in our readings today. The first is that we can choose what we put into ourselves. All right? Put, Paul says, "Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. What, what are you putting into your mind? Is it something that's renewing your mind, that's drawing you closer to the Lord, that's drawing us to him and to his will and to what he wants? Ask yourself this question. Whatever you're sitting and doing, is what I'm doing now renewing my mind? Uh, This TV show, this website I'm looking at, the social media posts that I'm browsing through, Is it renewing your mind? Not to mention, you know, things like pornography or whatever. Just the stuff of our ordinary lives. Is it renewing our minds or is it conforming me to the world? I'm not going to answer that question for myself. You all can think about what you're doing when you're doing it. And then there is Jeremiah who says that your words came and I ate them they became to me a joy. So what's he saying? He's saying he's internalized the word of God. His, his mind's being renewed. He's steeped in God's word. It will renew your mind. And then Jeremiah says, I don't hang around with bad company. I don't go with the revelers. That's another thing we can think about. Is this group of people I'm hanging out with, is this uh, renewing my mind or is this something that is drawing me away from the Lord? But as I said, most importantly is prayer. We can pray, we can ask the Lord to examine our hearts, to show us where our hearts are, what it is that we're not turning over to him, to letting him live his life through us. Test me, O Lord, the psalmist says, try me, examine my heart, show me my fault, show me where I'm not letting you live through me. And Paul points it out in our reading from his letter this morning, we see ourselves wrongly. We often think too highly of ourselves, Lord, show me. These are prayers that God always answers. I say, pray them and duck because reality is coming. He will answer those prayers. Prayer, in other words, is the vehicle for change. We become like whomever we're associating with and prayer is associating with the Lord God Almighty. And as we pray, he changes us. And I'm going to end with this, finally, why would we do this? A practical reason, just a plain practical reason. You're not sure you believe any of this stuff, but here's practically why you should do it. Just ask yourself this question. Is everything in my life going that well with me in charge? This is my test, part of my testimony. That's what happened to me. I'm sitting and looking at my life and thinking, this isn't working. Just might your life go better if you let Jesus have the whole mess? If you just give it all to him? Trust more? Strive less? Surrender more? Just maybe, the, you think of Jesus Christ, all-powerful, almighty, all-knowing, all-loving God. Might his reaction to the situations you're in be better than your reaction? Okay, that's a practical help. Here's the spiritual reason. Of course, the only way that we can end up alive is by giving our lives to him. Our life ends, heart stops, that's it, it's over. But his life goes on forever forever. And what we're talking about here is his life in you. That's how we have eternal life. Christ in us, the hope of glory. I say you can't have his life and your life doesn't work. It's like trying to have a wife and a girlfriend. (laughs) Not really a good idea. You know, but I've made it work. I did. I made it work. I married my girlfriend 52 52 years ago, and she's still my girlfriend. That's the only way it works is if they're one and the same, if your life and his life merge and you live forever. He says, take up your cross and follow me. Lose your life, take up my life, and at the end, we'll we will all have life. And he says, Jesus says, the Father will repay us for what we have done. And what he means by that is what he has done through us. And in a moment, we're gonna baptize these little ones if they're willing. <laughs> I guess we'll probably do it anyway, but we hope they'll be willing. <laughs> uh, but this is the journey that they're beginning. We're baptizing them on the basis of the faith of their parents, and they're taking through their parents this first step toward giving their lives to Jesus Christ, a step toward this goal of living for him, having him in charge, which is eternal life. And in a moment, I'm going to ask you all if you're willing to support these families in this endeavor, and I hope you will. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for your call to us. Thank you for your A promise to us that we will have life if we have it in you. Give us hearts, Lord, to submit, to surrender, to accept the gift and the promises you make. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Let's see. Gift gears. And start toward our baptism. Um, I'm going to ask uh, the families to stand, if you would, the parents and godparents, if you would. Um, and why, why don't y'all, maybe if you just come up, that would be good. We're, uh, and you're... Um, The words I'm going to say and any words you need, ladies and gentlemen, are probably going to be on the screen. I hope they will be, guys. (laughs) Okay. Here we go. This is called the exhortation. Dearly beloved scripture teaches that we are all dead in our sins and trespasses, but by grace, we may be saved through faith. Our savior, Jesus Christ said, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And he commissioned the church to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the Holy Spirit. Here we ask our heavenly father that these candidates being baptized with water may be filled with the Holy Spirit, born again and received into the church as living members of Christ's body. Therefore, I urge you to call upon God the Father through our Lord Jesus Christ, that of his abundant mercy, he will grant to these candidates, these children, that which by nature they cannot have. And now, I ask the parents, to present their children. We'll begin with Rivers. I present Rivers Southern Riddle uh, for the sacrament of baptism. Thank you. And the Bowens. I present Jackson Rogers Bowen, Nathaniel Fisher Bowen, and Nancy Louise Bowen to receive the sacrament of baptism. OK, now I have a brief lecture for parents and godparents. This is in the prayer book, I didn't write it, forgive me. Today, on behalf of these children, you shall make vows to renounce the devil and all his works, to trust God wholeheartedly, and to serve him faithfully. It is your task to see that these children are taught as soon as they are able to learn the meaning of all these vows and of the faith that you will profess as revealed in the Holy Scriptures. They must come to put their faith in Jesus Christ and learn the creeds and the Lord's Prayer, the Ten Commandments, and all other things that a Christian ought to know, believe, and do for the welfare of their souls. When they, are, when they, <clears throat> when they have embraced all these, they are to come to the bishop to be confirmed, that they may publicly proclaim, claim the faith that for their own and be further strengthened by the Holy Spirit to serve Christ and his kingdom. Are you willing and ready to undertake this? It's on the screen, I am? I am. The Lord being my helper. I should have told you to look at your scripts. Okay. So now I have questions. These are questions for the parents and godparents. The idea here is we are baptizing these children based on the faith of these parents, and so this is a brief uh, confirmation of their faith. Question for all of you. Parents and godparents, do you renounce the devil and all the spiritual forces of wickedness that rebel against God? Do you renounce the empty promises and deadly deceits of this world that corrupt and destroy the creatures of God? Do you renounce the sinful desires of the flesh that draw you from the love of God? And now a prayer for you. Almighty God, deliver you and your children from the powers of darkness and evil and lead you into the light and obedience of the kingdom of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.